This is Franchise Today, brought to you by FRM Solutions, providers of the best-in-class software solutions for franchise relationship management. Franchise Today is your destination for weekly information, conversations, and interviews with accomplished industry leaders, all of whom share best practices for sustainable growth and sensible franchising. Here now, your host, Stan Friedman, to kick off this week's podcast. And this is Franchise Today for Wednesday, October 30th, 2019. I'm Stan Friedman coming to you from Atlanta, Georgia. Hey, before we get into this week's extensive birthday greetings, I want to once again thank last week's guest, Connie Hill Johnson of Cleveland, Ohio, who is an amazing franchisee of Visiting Angels. You know, I don't often have franchisees as guests, but this was a powerful interview following the Franchising 101 program that Connie and I both participated in last week, a week ago Saturday, actually, in Cleveland. It was a co-production of KeyBank and the IFA. My interview that followed with Connie was a frank and candid discussion about diversity in franchising, which many of you know has been something of a passion of mine for a great many years. And judging by the incredible number of downloads that last week's episode scored in the first few days after it was posted, it seems that many others, too, were quite interested in what Connie had to say. I'm extremely proud of that episode. If you've not done so yet, please download it, give it a listen, and then share it out with others who may benefit from the wisdom that Connie shared. And now with that said, it's on to the front of the house, brought to you this week by Transitive, where Christian Pillett and his team provide franchisors and franchisees with cutting-edge, high-tech solutions that enable the identification of their most valued customers and enables them to drive laser-sharp conversational marketing messages directly to those targets. More about Transitive in just a minute. But first, it's time for this week's Franchise Birthdays, and an expansive list it is, with many happy returns going out this week to Ron Cordova, Darren Bothy, Igor Bloom, all the way across the other side of the world in Moscow, Stephen Spitz down under, Brian Mulcahy, David Washabaugh, Ed Muldaver, Michael Barnett, Mark Carnes, Ed Novetti, Gary Finley, Richard Davies in the UK, Rich Piteous, Carrie Jernigan, and Mark Street. Wow, there it is. Quite a list this week. Also in the front of the house, I could not help but take notice of an article that impressed me this week as published in the New York Times. It was a piece written by Paul Sullivan under the banner of Your Money and Wealth Matters. It was titled, How to Get Rich by Buying a Franchise. This piece was written mostly through the eyes and views of successful franchisees across a variety of brands and was very clearly articulating the difference between operating a business, say a plumbing or a moving business as a mover on the truck or as a wrench-wielding pipe fixer in a van versus actually growing and scaling a business of those types as the result of being affiliated nationally with a franchise brand. The examples in this article point amazingly well to the power of the brand, the marketing, the technology, and the leadership expertise provided by the franchisor, but it still rightly cautioned individuals to conduct proper due diligence before taking any leaps. The article quotes Daryl Johnson at Franchise data, as well as Jeff Johnson at Franchise Research. It actually is a rare day anymore that I find something worth reading, much less sharing from the New York Times, as it's become such an overtly and adversely political publication. But hats off on this piece. It was both fair and balanced, and it was actually quite well written. So I'm going to post it up to the Franchise Today Facebook page on and on my LinkedIn profile as well, and uh, share it out to you. And I think it's something that's worth keeping as a resource tool and sharing with others. Okay, so let's take a quick break, learn a little bit more about Transitive, and then we'll be right back with this week's guest, Zaxby's own Trey Doster. 
franchise today. We'll be right back. But first, a word from our sponsors. Hey, Stan Friedman here with a word about our newest sponsor. I'm talking about Transitive, an amazing marketing platform that actually delivers what others can only imagine. Accurate, dependable results that are second to none. All right, without getting too deep into the weeds, Transitive connects franchisees' customer data from all sources, providing high-octane fuel for their marketing engines. They then deploy machine learning, yes, artificial intelligence, which identifies various customer traits and habits, attributes that would otherwise likely go unnoticed, and it segments these customers into groups. This is important because, as we know, not all customers provide your franchisees with equal dollar value. But wouldn't it be great if they could easily identify who's who? Well, that's exactly what Transitive does. And what's more, it then accurately drives the appropriate offers to each of those customer groups, delivering specific personalized messages to each of the group's customers. Just like that, your franchisees are engaged in laser-focused target marketing, delivering them much more bang for the buck. You've got to see it to believe it. So what are you waiting for? Order up a demo today and tell them I sent you. Find them online at www.transitive.io. That's www.transitive.io. And now for today's guest interview, Trey Doster is Director of Franchise Sales for Zaxby's Franchising, and he's double times because he also serves as Chairman of the Board of the Southeast Franchise Forum, IFA's Franchise Business Network affiliate here in Atlanta. Trey's been with Zaxby's since 2007, joining the brand at the 325 Restaurants Open Mark, and has contributed directly with moving that high-water mark to now more than 900 open and operating. Prior to his current role, as Director of Franchise Recruitment, Trey's responsibility was split between FranDev and Real Estate and Site Selection. Trey earned his IFA Certified Franchise Executive designation in 2014 and has been an active and participating member of the Southeast Franchise Forum for more than 10 years prior to assuming his leadership role as chair. Trey, welcome to Franchise Today. Thank you very much, Stan. It's a pleasure and an honor to be here with you today on your show. Well, it's great having you, and I think it's long overdue, Trey. You're one of those guys that everybody loves. Everybody who knows you just likes you. It's it's hard not to, and you're always a guy who's there for others and uh, doing service to the world of franchising, both locally here at home and all over the country through the IFA. So, Trey, let's start where we start every week. Franchising is unintentional. It's not something that we study for. It's not something that we aspire to. It's something that knocks on our door at some point in time and finds us. So, take the audience back with us to a ride back in time and share with us when that was for you and what you were doing at that time. You know, I guess franchising found me in a lot of ways. My next door neighbor growing up and actually both of the founders lived in the same town that I grew up in in Oconee County. And uh, one of them was actually my next door neighbor growing up and saw the very first Zaxby's that I had heard of in 1996, even though the brand started in 1990. And uh, my first experience was uh, at the restaurant in our hometown of Watkinsville, Georgia. And and first experience in there was a great one and saw the, the company growing. And as that, uh, you know, continued to grow, I wanted to be a part of it. It just, you know, hometown boys really doing something really well. And I wanted to be a part of it. What was it that you were doing then? What did you leave when you came into franchising? What did you leave behind? 
Well, so Vance Snow, who who a lot of people know in the franchising world, he was uh, responsible for bringing me on. So if anybody's going to take the blame for bringing me on to Zaxby's, it'd be it'd be Vance. And so uh, Vance was, you know, just an incredible person and uh, mentor for me. And the thing that I learned very quickly about, you know, specifically our franchise process is it wasn't a sales process. Both of the owners were really focused on making sure that people that joined on with the brand truly knew what they were getting into. You know, there was a lot of upside to starting your own business, but, you know, sometimes they don't think about the, some of the harder things you may face as a small time business owner and just all the things that's going to require of your time and efforts and all the different hats that you may have to wear in order to get that first uh, location running. And so our discovery day, if you'd call it that to a certain degree back then, really was almost talking someone out of the opportunity. They were hearing all the things that have gone wrong over the years. So, you know, we weren't trying to surprise anyone with uh, trying to get them to the signing page. It truly was about getting them kind of acclimated to what the culture was, who the brand is, what it's made up of, and, you know, and what we were trying to do as an organization. And so if we felt like we were both uh, a good fit for each other, then that's kind of when we move forward uh, in a partnership. So talk about some of those formulative years, Trey. What did they put you through other than that, you know, sticker shock of 400 page document or whatever it was? What kind of training and what kind of orientation did you get to the ins and outs of franchising? You know, for me, it you know, with with Zach McElroy and Tony Townley, they you know they're not brothers, but they grew up together, and so this this company this feels more like a family, and they treat us like family. And so, you know, people that have worked with within the brand when I came on board had been there since really the beginning. Uh, some of the people that actually worked at, at corporate were franchisees at one point, or have gone on to be franchisees. And so, it really was overwhelming not knowing the family. You know, I felt like everyone knew each other except for myself. And so it takes a long time to kind of get up to speed with, you know, just from the corporate standpoint, let alone trying to integrate into the franchisee family that you have out there. But, you know, a big part of my days uh, in the beginning was just reading franchising publications, attending different franchising functions like the IFA, the Southeast Franchise Forum, which is where I first met you, Stan, you know, and getting to meet people that this is what they do and they live and breathe franchising and just really overwhelming the, the information that's out there that I had a lot to learn to be able to get up to speed, to feel like I could t- talk intelligently to, uh, you know, to prospective franchisees. So a big part of my day was just kind of shadowing people. I would, I would kind of go with Vance and Tommy. Tommy Mitchell was, uh, was doing our real estate at the time. He now has his own uh, real estate firm, Dirt, Dirt Dog. LLC, I'll give him a plug there, continues to do franchise uh, site selection for franchisees. And and so they let me shadow them on uh, site selection as well as discovery days and then going to franchise events where we would promote the brand. So that was a lot of fun in those early days. I didn't have to do a lot. I just kind of hung around and just listened to, you know, kind of what the experts were doing. Why don't you share with the audience a little bit about the consumer side of the Zaxby's brand and the value proposition that Zaxby's as a concept and as a brand delivers to the consumer. There's a lot of competition out there in in your space, Trey, but you guys have always seemed to ride above the fold and have a product that was almost cult-like. Can't say it's as much like Chick-fil-A, but to me, there is a cult around Zaxby's too. There is a cult-like loyalty to the brand. Talk a little bit about that from the consumer's point of view. 
probably the you know the absolute majority of our franchisees they were fan favorites of of the brand they were people that were dining with us you know three or four times a week that just loved the product that that wanted to be a part of this and so you know we're so thankful for that and feel so blessed that we have we've been able to keep those guests coming back again and again and I think a big part of that is is making sure that we treat them well when they come into our locations make them feel like that they are um, you know that they're respected and appreciate it because there, to your point, Sam, there are so many options out there for our, our guests to go these days. And so we want to try to provide a, a great meal at a great value. And um, because we know that if we don't do it right, there's other options out there. And for the one or two people out there who may never have heard of Zaxby's, I can't believe that, that would be the case. Talk a little bit about the primary menu offerings and what it is that Zaxby's is famous for. So yeah, this is this is a big part of what we do at our uh, at our franchise events that we're outside of our core footprint. We're having to explain what Zaxby's is to a lot of people, which is a little humbling because we have you know 240 locations alone just in Georgia. So most people, if you're in Georgia, you know what Zaxby's is. But as we go out into uh, into Texas and Oklahoma and those markets, we have to explain to people that we meet at events kind of what the brand is. And we were founded on hand breaded chicken fingers, prepared to order. We did not have salads in the early days. But around 2005, we came out with a really a kind of a premium salad rollout that we continue to kind of add on to. We have a salad base, but uh, each each quarter we may have an LTO that comes out, whether it's a sandwich or salad. But, you know, our, our sandwiches are just they're A lot of times they're messy, but they are unbelievable sandwiches. Right now we have our um, smokehouse cheddar barbecue sandwiches out. And uh, it is a meal. It is a fantastic sandwich that uh, you won't go home home hungry. And what percentage of your business would be, say, eat-in versus people picking food up and and possibly delivery if that's part of the menu mix. So we've got some franchisees that are doing delivery these days, but you know, not every market uh, is a good candidate for that. But uh, you know, a big part of what we've seen a shift in is you know our restaurants continue to get bigger and bigger. We're actually starting to kind of. Uh, bring those restaurant seating down a little bit. I think for for a lot of years, we're building a 90-seater and kind of shifting back towards a 60-seater because we're doing about 62% of our business through the drive-thru these days. 62% is an astounding number for drive-thru. So yeah, I would be maybe even thinking of instead of 90 down to 60 seats, 60 down to 45, if 62% of the revenue is coming through the window, because that's a big number. Our, our customers, they, they like convenience. We, you know, we feel like that, that our product, if we, if we serve it correctly, they, uh, they, they want it and we want to be able to deliver it to them as quickly as possible. We used to, in the early days, used to have a sign out front, you know, inside a front of house and at the drive-thru of the speaker that said, we're not fast food. We're prepared to order. Please allow 10 to 15 minutes for your order. We feel like you'd appreciate the difference. And we did have guests that would wait on the product because we felt like that it was, it was good enough to wait on. But, you know, we did have a shift around. 2007, where speed of service became a, a, a real focus for us as a brand, and it served our franchisees well in, in trying to get those uh, those ticket times to where we can get more customers in and out, especially within their uh, the lunch breaks. The thing that we don't want to do there is is sacrifice order accuracy and the product that the uh, that our our guests are receiving when they come through. So we want to make sure that it's still fresh and prepared to order, and that you know they're they're getting the right thing that they ordered when they come through so they'll want to come back again and again. 
I'm still thinking a second drive-through is what my mind's eye is seeing, Trey. A second window. Who is the customer? Who's primarily your demographic? What drives the business? Is it the kids telling mom and dad, I want to go to Zaxby's? Or is, is it mom and dad saying Zaxby's is where we're going and the kids are happy to hear it? I think it's a little bit of both. Um, you know, my daughter is 15 now, but when I came on with uh, with the brand, it was if, if I even gave her the option of where we're going to uh, go to eat, it would be Zaxby's almost every day. And so... Um, so certainly the, the kids would love to come in, I think, because of our uh, diverse menu selection. We've got a little something for everything, everyone there. So, you know, if you want to have a salad or if it's a sandwich or if it's chicken fingers or even a grilled cheese for, for the kids, uh, there's a little bit of something for everyone. But really, we've done really well as far as transitioning in, into, um, you know, demographically different markets. So, you know, as we started in Georgia and have kind of moved our way in a Western pattern and also in a Northern pattern, um, we have found that, you know, in, in small towns, you know, we may be sometimes in these small towns, which we're, we're so thankful to be a part of, we may be one of the nicer buildings in that, in that town. And that's kind of the, the go-to destination uh, on the weekends. And then in the uh, more dense markets, it's a little harder to break into those um, just because there is so much competition, but, you know, it's, it's, its primary focus is, is making sure that when someone comes in, they have a great experience, so they want to come back. And so I know that when I was in the chicken wing business, the salads weren't a part of our business primarily either until we realized that a lot of the telephone decisions about who to call for food were driven by mom. And if mom wanted a salad and we didn't have one, hmm, somebody else was getting the phone call that day. Was that kind of decision part and parcel of your brand's decision to bring salads into the menu mix? Absolutely. It really was. And, you know, I think the the biggest issue we had as far as pushback with franchisees, and I think they would they, they would tell you this if you asked them, was, uh, you know, we wanted this to be a premium product. So we're starting off with a base of, uh, of different greens, and then we're putting uh, fresh protein and produce um, on top. So nothing sitting in a refrigerator. It, it is fresh and prepared to order, but it's also coming in a real bowl if you have the, the time to dine with us in, inside of our, one of our restaurants. And so for, for a franchisee standpoint, that's a lot of bowls to now have to wash. And so that was the pushback, but we felt like that that could be something that really sets us apart from you know, some other competitors out there that may have a good product, but it's, you know, this is just a little step above or maybe a few steps above. And it's also just from the presentation standpoint, it really, if you've never if you've never had it before, it uh, is sure to knock your socks off. And I know wings are on the menu, but I view Zaxby's more, as you said, about tenders and than I do about wings. And from a cost of goods sold, I'm certain that that's a lot friendlier too for your franchisees that they're not confronted with the crazy wild roller coaster rides that chicken wing prices can cause for franchisees in, in wing only type businesses. Am I correct? You are correct. And, you know, when, when McDonald's decided to kind of jump into the wing category there for a short bit, you know, it just uh, really affected everyone. They were the 400 pound gorilla and rightfully so. So, um, you know, it did give us the ability to kind of shift some of the things we were focusing our efforts on, whether it was boneless wings or some other things uh, to be able to try to take some of the pressure off there. So let's shift away from the, the consumer side a little bit and start delving more into the franchising side of life at Zaxby's. The company, as I said in introduction was about the 325 mark of open and operating when you came on board. You're north of that by another 600 plus these days. How much has the initial offering changed from those early days and what has it changed from and to and why? 
That's a great question. You know, as far as the opportunity, it's, it's as good as today as it's ever been. Um, it is, I, I feel like we offer world-class service and support, um, you know, from the very uh, you know, from the initial stages of you coming on as a franchisee, you're receiving, uh, you know, handholding, especially if you've, if you've never done this before. If you're an experienced operator, you don't need as much handholding, but we're certainly making sure that these first-time franchisees are getting the support um, that they need to, to get their location up and running. But uh, the thing that we've seen that has been really tough for us and in a lot of standalone brick-and-mortar locations is the cost of real estate. We're in a great economy right now real estate costs continue to go up. So things that we're trying to do f- from a from the standpoint of lowering the all-in investment for our, our new franchisees and existing franchisees who want to continue to build, we want to try to bring that all-in cost down. And so we're actually kind of in a little bit of holding pattern right now because we have a new prototype that's coming out here very shortly that uh, our franchisees are, are excited about. So as soon as this is open, we're back to opening up locations. We've This has been kind of a, a slower year for us because we're waiting on that rollout. And you mentioned that you let first-time franchisees into your system that didn't have any prior food experience. That's a rarity, Trey, especially in a, in a concept that's a little more complex. I can see it, you know, in a sandwich-making shop where you don't have a hood and you don't have fryers, but that's an exception, isn't it, in the food service business? It really is. And, you know, it was tough during the downturn in the economy, 2008 and nine. All, really all the lending kind of dried up for the restaurant space. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure if in franchising in general, but I can tell you in the restaurant space, if they didn't have restaurant experience, we really were having a tough time trying to find lenders that would take a take a bet and take a chance on these first time franchisees. You know, and, and really when there's a downturn in the economy, that's really when franchising soars. So that was kind of a, you know, what's not helpful for us because we like taking someone that has the ability to coach up teams and, you know, if we feel like they have transferable skill sets that will serve them well, and, you know, if they're a fan of the brand, that's somebody we want to take a chance on. We feel like that we can train them in the business. The, the hardest part is the people component. It's, uh, it's you know, building teams and, and getting an infrastructure put into place for that first location. And, and we feel like we offer the support to make franchisees, uh, you know, have, have those skill sets available to them where we can help coach them. And as to the offerings themselves, are these all offered as owner-operator only, or do you have multi-unit and area development? Yeah, we sure do. So if, if someone wants to come in, you know, there's some brands that are out there, they're only offering multi-unit uh, opportunities. And, you know, that for whatever reason, that works well for, for their system. With us, it truly is about the fit of the individual we're working with. So if we're, we're talking to someone who wants to transition from corporate America or if they're a UPS driver, that they're, they're ready to do something different. Um, one store is totally fine. We would just want to make sure that the area that they're looking at is a one store opportunity. We wouldn't let someone with one location, with the appetite of one store, go into an area that would hold multiple locations because then we have a situation where franchisees are kind of, they're not able to kind of control their backyard and they don't really look at each other as allies. So you have multiple offerings that their offerings are uh, experience appropriate, I guess is the way I would term that then, right? That's exactly right. And depending on kind of their experience, if we have someone that's come in that has been with another brand and, and has, has brands currently, that give us a little more of a comfort level to take a bet that, uh, that they have the ability to build an infrastructure if they don't have one already and that they can probably sign for a multi-unit development agreement. 
And you talked about in the recession years and when access to capital was a challenge that you couldn't necessarily find banks that were willing to lend to somebody with no franchise or no food experience. But do you find that's easier now? It is. We've, uh, you know, thankfully we've been very blessed with some very hardworking franchisees and, and Zach and Tony, you know, they're, they are actually the two founders of the company are the largest, what we would, we call them company stores, but really they're the largest franchisee in the system operating about 150 of their restaurants. We call company stores, but really they're franchisees. And so because we have a very low failure rate, our lending friends really like the business model. They like there's real estate that's involved. It's all those things. We haven't really had an issue with, with getting funding for our franchisees today. We've been very fortunate in that regard. And as to the real estate itself, Trey, you don't treat that like a McDonald's does where they own the real estate, do you? Your franchisees actually own the property or own the land, the building itself. How does that look? That's exactly right. So, you know, Zach and Tony, when they when they started, they really enjoyed the real estate play there. And a lot of our franchisees kind of mirrored what they were doing. And so we certainly have franchisees that, you know, they're on ground leases or they've worked with a developer. And you can absolutely do that if that's kind of the way that you want to build uh, your infrastructure. But most of our franchisees, I think if you asked them that have done some of those build suits, if they were to look back, they would, would really like the opportunity of owning the real estate just as a long-term strategy. So at the end of their franchise agreement, you know, they can be a landlord if, if second generation doesn't want to go in there, or if they want to have another franchisee of Zaxby's go in, it just gives them more options. Trey, we're going to come back after another quick break, and we're going to talk a little bit more about the development side of the business. And before we're done here today, we're going to talk to you about your roles, responsibilities, and how lucky we are to have you chairing the board for us on the Southeast Franchise Forum. We're going to come back with all that and more, but first this. Franchise Today will be right back, but first, a word from our sponsors. This portion of Franchise Today is brought to you by Zoracle, providers of spot-on profiles, the gold standard of assessment tools that assure you're selecting the right franchisees every time. Unlike DISC or others that simply gauge personality or communication styles, Zoracle's spot-on assessments are all franchise-specific and based upon seven sciences that nail the results each and every time. Your prospects simply answer a few questions online, and like magic, Zoracle's algorithms scientifically slice, dice, and analyze their thresholds for risk, their business acumen, and even their propensity for single or multi-unit ownership. Zoracle's spot-on analysis is like having a crystal ball, but there's no hoodoo here. It's all based upon science that flawlessly determines franchisee, franchisor compatibility, and accurately predicts performance. Why don't you schedule a demo today? Take a complimentary look and see for yourself. It's the closest thing to a sure thing. Zoracle, spot-on assessments based on science, but delivering results that seem simply magical. Check them out at www.zoracleprofiles.com. Trey, I'm going to run the risk of a, of a little bit of wordplay here, but you know, part of what we do every week on Franchise Today is, is to try to deliver to an audience of people who aren't yet where your company is or haven't yet accomplished the achievements of a Zaxby's, the emerging franchisors, and even some of the executives that are working for smaller concepts is to, is to provide them nuggets. And there's that word that I was afraid might be a double meaning talking to a guy in the chicken business, but nuggets are what we want to share out every week and, and helping the audience not perhaps have to go through some of the mistakes that others who came before them have already encountered. You talked about a couple of things that I think are pretty powerful, and I want to flesh them out a little bit further. One was the all-in cost and how you've kind of put the brakes on 
until a revision to the model can be adjusted such that Zach and, and ownership are more concerned about the long-term recurring revenue than about grabbing checks. What's your message to any franchisor who is letting himself get a little bit ahead of his headlights in that regard? You know, for, for us, and I would recommend this for, for any franchisor out there, is always keeping unit level economics front and center of every decision you're making. If you keep the franchisee's bottom line in perspective of the decisions that you're making, you'll do right by the brand and you'll also do right by your franchisees. And so that's been a big part of our intentional slowdown is to make sure that we have stores that are, you know, that have the the right legs underneath them, they have the the right infrastructure and that they're ready for that store number two and three. So an intentional slowdown is is what we are hoping will make these uh, franchisees that have joined us continue to be sustainable. When your heads are down and you're full bore in your franchise development cycle, what would a typical year look like for new unit development? What would that magic number be? What we want for our franchisees, if they're if they're taking a chance on the brand, is we want to make sure that several things need to be in place in order for us to uh, try to give them the best shot of success. And a big part of that is that they have brand awareness. So people know what the brand is. If we jump too far out of our footprint, that's going to be, um, that's going to be, you know, an extra hurdle that they have to jump over. But we also want to make sure if they're, they're close enough to some other stores that there's ease of distribution, there's marketing dollars that come into place. All those things really play well with each other if we can kind of keep the stores close. And so that, allows us to kind of continue to grow the brand in an outward uh, motion from our core. And we just did start in Georgia and we're now in 17 states. There are five states that are completely sold. So if you were to come in today as a new franchisee, we'd have Georgia, Alabama, South Carolina, North Carolina, and Tennessee would be states that we're not offering a new franchise agreement to a new franchisee. So we've got some undeveloped existing development agreements with existing franchisees that will come up here and there when the opportunities present themselves. But uh, all of our new development that we have are in the the balance of those uh, 17 states. And it really is a small ribbon. If you look at our development map that we have available at our at our website at zaxbysfranchising.com, you'll see that there are counties that go across and it will it will show all the different opportunities. And we're looking specifically for people that are in those markets. So we really don't want someone who's from Georgia that wants to move to Texas. We feel like that in our history that that hasn't worked out so well. We really want somebody who's entrenched in the market. They know the people, they know uh, buying habits and all those things. And maybe they're connected with the Chamber of Commerce and schools. We feel like that those are really our hometown heroes that have done really well. So how far out do you let a franchisee of an existing location go and not lose that cultural connectivity to the community and to the things that are also so important to the day-to-day of the brand? That's exactly right. So we have a, uh, pl- a training platform where after you get your first store open, you can actually train your your associates in-house. So as you get ready for store number two and three, it's much easier. That first store, you're having to send key personnel out to training facilities that we have located throughout our footprint. 
but you still may have traveling costs and, and those type of things that you're going to incur, uh, you know, getting that first team up and running. So when you talked earlier and we were joking about maybe one or two people out there who haven't heard of Zaxby's and we kind of brought a little more clarity to what the menu's offerings are all about. Talk about the footprint, though, of how many states you're in and how you develop and what the belief is about Helter Skelter running over states to get to states that are further west than the two or three that you jumped over versus concurrent circles and growing out. Talk to the audience about your plans as a you perceive that as it's something of importance in your development plans or not? A lot of the decisions that are happening here uh, within the organization are being fueled and, and also a part of our discussions include our franchisees. So we have advisory councils, representatives from our franchisee uh, family that will come in. So the new building prototypes that we have, they'll come in and give feedback. I mean, so these are the people that would actually be building these, these, uh, these prototypes. And so we absolutely want their buy-in. We've seen some other brands that have struggled with that. And we've seen some brands that have done really well with, you know, a new prototype rollout. And so, you know, we want that feedback from our franchisees that are living and breathing the brand day and day. So that's not at all what we're about. We want to make sure that the communication stays fluid between us and our franchisees. I've got one more question before we move to Southeast Franchise Forum that I want to ask about the Zaxby's brand. And that is knowing as much as I do about the strength of culture here, what does the brand encourage franchisees to do in terms of giving back? Is there a national charity or is there a national initiative or do you just encourage franchisees at the local level to adopt certain of their pet charities that they want to support? That's, you know, it, it really, we tried to actually mandate that early on, but it's, it's hard to track those, uh, the things that franchisees are doing. And a big reason why we wanted to do that is, was to be able to brag on them uh, and to be able to kind of showcase what they were doing in some of these communities. And so, you know, our, our franchisees, they know the value of taking care of their first responders and, um, you know, and giving back to these communities. We want to be community partners. Um, so what we want are our franchisees that are, you know, certainly taking care of our guests as they come in the door, but we also want to be a part of the school systems, PTO, and those things to make sure that they know that, um, you know, we're there for the long term and, and we want to try to give back a part of the bounty that, that God has been able to, um, you know, give to Zaxby's back to these communities. So with that said, let's talk about the Southeast Franchise Forum. You and I have both been active in that organization, me for about 80 or 90 years longer than you, but you've got about 12 years worth of traction under your belt now too. Tell the audience a little bit about Seth and what it does and, and what it's meant to you, when you, especially when you came into franchising uh, from outside of our world. Yeah, it was. And, you know, that's where you and I first met, Stan. I, I had the pleasure of meeting you uh, for the very first time there. And then uh, certainly after Seth, we met, had interactions at, at IFA, but just was a, for me, a tremendous opportunity to network with franchising professionals and suppliers. And that's what Seth has always been about. It's, you know, it's a regional organization really established to foster uh, these professional relationships and, um, you know, we want to enhance the, the reputation of franchising through the exchange of, of information, ideas, networking solutions. So that's what we've been about in the past. And there's more, as you know, there's more franchisors based kind of in the Atlanta area really than anywhere else 
in the uh, in the U.S. And I want to say there's about 30 FBNs, franchise business networks, that are across the U.S. And it's it's my understanding that the Southeast Franchise Forum is is one of the uh, the more heavily attended uh, events uh, because of the the people we have in our backyard and we feel very fortunate of that and we really want to be you know atlanta's resource in franchising but talk to the audience about what they should do in terms of you know, not everybody's going to have a chef in their backyard so talk about the fbn and how we're affiliated with that and how you would advise franchisors that are emerging franchisors and even their teams of people on staff to benefit from organizations around the country that offer programs like yeah ours. absolutely super easy so you know depending on what area of the country you're in, go to franchising.org, which is the IFA's website. When you when you go there uh, in the search bar, you know, type in Franchise Business Network, you're going to see a list of all the regional uh, areas that you have uh, that will be closest to you to be able to attend. And they will vary depending on how often they meet. So there are four FBN meetings that IFA would really encourage these FBNs to have each, uh, you know, quarterly but some only meet twice a year um, with with the CEF, uh, with Southeast Franchise Forum. And in, in historically, we've had uh, 12 meetings once once a month that we're meeting. It's the second Tuesday of every month. And uh, the intention of these FBNs really was, you know, we have the annual IFA meetings that are happening and they wanted to have the ability of of having discussions and meetings and group gatherings that are happening on a local level that IFA is, is saying, here are some topics that you can talk about that we feel like that are important to franchising. And so those four topics that they give us each year, we don't have to adhere to them hundred percent, but they're, but these are the things that are really important to IFA that they feel like that we should be in discussion about. And what kind of value proposition does this provide, do you think, for emerging Zores? Well, the networking obviously is awesome. But I mean, when you've got a meeting and a program, how valuable and important was that to you as you began your education in franchising? Well, yeah, it is, you know, the 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 people that are in the room at these franchise business networks, um, you know, you're going to have attorneys that are in franchising specific law firms that, you know, you may have a question, uh, you maybe you haven't assembled your FDD yet. Um, you know, these FBN meetings are open to IFA members. So it's not just, you know, the Southeast Franchise Forum, uh, you know, either your supplier or franchise or member, but, you know, the, the four meetings we have a year that are our luncheons, they're open to IFA members, or if you're getting ready to, uh, to start franchising your, your brand or or you're considering that, it's a tremendous opportunity to talk to people that um, are established franchisors, they're emerging, they're just, you know, they're all along the way in kind of this, uh, you know, in their journey, and just the ability to have just some really good dialogue with with people you might not have the, the opportunity to speak with otherwise. And we talk a lot about who it is we think that we serve, right? We know it's all franchising, but what's our mission, Trey, here in the Atlanta area with the Southeast Franchise Forum in terms of bringing in middle managers and people who may only get the education that is provided to them within their own four walls on a weekly basis? What value prop do you think there is for those middle-level people to enhance their careers and actually become better stewards of resources for their employers because of their knowledge base being increased and enhanced. Absolutely. I, you know, it's, it's my understanding. I was not around when the Southeast Franchise Forum uh, began, but it's my understanding that it was a lot of C-suite executives, and we certainly have those still um, in, in our presence at CEF, but there are a lot of people that are coming up within a brand's organization. When I came on 
on board with with Zaxby's. Do you really know background in franchising? This was was another resource for me to get engaged in franchising, find out what's going on within the industry. If you want to be really good at something, you need to just dive 100% in and try to focus on your craft and what you're doing. And these are people that are very passionate about what they're doing. And it's all across the board from different facets of a franchising, whether it's in the restaurant space, hospitality, you've got people that are in the automotive side. So, you know, it's, it's not just specific to restaurants. So it's people from all walks of life in franchising that, you know, they're, they're facing some of the same issues, whether it's labor, if it's logistics, those things we kind of touch on from a month to month basis. Things that we feel like that, that our members really would like some additional information on and, and maybe some perspectives they haven't thought of. So that we can help you stay in touch with those who have learned from you today, Trey, I think it's time for us to ask for some contact info. And I want you to give contact info in terms of both organizations. So anyone who's got specific questions or wants to learn more specifically about the forum and or about Zaxby's, how best to get in touch with you? Yeah, so uh, really easy. If you're if you got some information, uh, like some information on the Southeast Franchise Forum, it's it's just that name. It's the southeastfranchiseforum.com. And there, if you if you happen to visit our web website, you'll find that there's uh, you can see all of our members that uh, that are part of CEF. You can also see how you know if you're a supplier or if you're a franchisor, how you can become a member of the organization. And you know something that we we also provide as a resource is our previous meetings that we have. We actually a lot of times we're able to kind of post those things on our website. So it's you know it's a great resource for you to be able to go and share with your teams, whether it's in uh, HR or if it's in operations. And that's what we try to do each month. If there's uh, something specific area of your of your business, we try to encourage. You to bring those individuals that we feel like we get the most value out of that. And then on the, on the Zaxby side, the thing that pays the bills day to day, the things I'm very passionate about. Um, so that's very easy. If you want to go to our consumer side, it's zaxby's.com. And if you'd like to learn more about the incredible Zaxby's franchi- franchising opportunity, that's uh, zaxby'sfranchising.com. And there we try to be as transparent as possible. So we don't make you jump through a lot of hoops. If you're looking to learn more about the brand, you'll find a little bit about our history. You'll see that it's very easy to get our franchise disclosure documents. Some franchisors don't want you to see that until you're a little further along in the process. We're, we're very open with giving it to really whoever would like to see that. Uh, shows audited financials and those those type of things and makes an earnings uh, representation in item 19. But uh, happy to share that with anyone that has additional interest. Trey, it's been terrific having you with us today. As I said, long, long overdue. You're one of the most giving people that I know, and I can't thank you enough for giving some time here to the audience to benefit and learn more about the Southeast Franchise Forum, your leadership in that organization, and your role at Zaxby's as well. Trey Doster, thanks again for joining us today on Franchise Today. Stan, thank you very much for having me. It was a pleasure being on your show today. And please remember to subscribe to Franchise Today at Blog Talk Radio, and you can download us from iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, or virtually any place that podcasts are found. Remember, too, you can ask Alexa to play the latest episode. Please like us on Facebook, and let me hear from you with recommendations for guest interviews, as well as any thoughts or comments you'd like to share about the podcast. You can find all my contact info on my LinkedIn profile, and I'll be happy to hear from you, good, bad, or ugly. Until next week. I'm Stan Friedman. I'm wishing you the best, the very best of all things franchising. Franchise Today is out. 
Franchise Today is a production of FRM Solutions, providing best-in-class CRM tools to empower relationships with prospective and existing franchisees. No excuses, just solutions. Find them online at frmsolutions.com. Join Stan every Wednesday at noon Eastern for another live episode of Franchise Today. Or, as always, download episodes on demand at blogtalkradio.com or iTunes.